Welcome to Jim Galliano's Building a Better Web Presence podcast. Build something better with less moving parts, less overhead, and less headaches. Hey everyone, this is Jim Galliano. Thanks for joining me for today's podcast episode. Today is January the 18th. We're into January, we're into a new year. And over the past few weeks, I've noticed quite a few conversations online dealing with things like stress and problems in the digital world. And I think no matter which world you occupy business-wise, whether you're in the bricks and mortar side of things or whether you're completely 100% online or a combination of the two, I think that stress is stress. And as I was getting ready to record today's episode, I found myself thinking back to how I navigated my way through the professional field after graduating from college and the frustrations I experienced and how I thought that working for myself was the key to leaving all of those frustrations and all of that stress behind me. Today, I want to talk about how to deal with things like stress and the fear of failure and the lack of meaningful purpose, meaningful as defined by you, not some outside source. And before we go any further, today's episode is brought to you by the Digital Strategist Newsletter. This is volume two of my newsletter, which is available at jimsnewsletter.com. Go ahead and sign up for that if you haven't done that already. And onetomanysystem.com. This is the home of my newly launched coaching program. This program is designed to help you build a complete marketing and sales system for your business. And this also includes a new conversion-focused website that will help you with, and it's going to have everything, including a built-in lead generation system. The whole program is available right now at onetomanysystem.com. All right, so as of this year, I've now spent 25 years of my life in the online business space. And in, in order to last that long, it's obvious that you have to overcome all kinds of tests, challenges, obstacles, change, you name it. In the last 25 years, I've probably faced it in some way, shape, or form. And I'm sure some of you remember from past episodes of this podcast that I spoke about how I finally got started in the offline agency world way back in 1987. I was undertrained. I felt like I was way in over my head. I guess you can say I was. And I was ready to quit inside of a year. I didn't have experience. I didn't fit in with the top end of the agency's social structure, I guess you could say. And the list could go on and on. Now, in my mind, I knew I was good at a handful of things. I just didn't know how to put those different things together in such a way or in such a combination that I could create value in the real world, the kind of value that people would happily pay me for, the kind that I could build a business around. And so there was a complete disconnect getting out of college, and that was for me back then. I don't think much has changed. Maybe the... 20-year-olds or the 21-year-olds or whatever, early 20s of today, maybe they're a little sharper than my generation was. Maybe not. Maybe it's the same. I don't know. But when I look at what's happening around me in the world today, it's just the same problems. It just it seems like they're happening in more of an intense way, or at least that's how it appears to me. But 
again, I wanted to be able to put things together and it was so easy when I thought about it. But when it came time to actually doing it in the real world, there was a huge disconnect there. And so among other things at the time, I decided that I wanted to study marketing and sales and learn as much as I could in both areas as thoroughly as possible because the realization I came to was this, that marketing and sales were skills that would benefit me for the rest of my life, no matter what direction I decided to go in. And being that my father worked for himself and his father worked for himself and so did his father before him, going back all of those generations, I sort of had that seed planted in me from an early age. But I also saw the benefit of working for a larger company in which you didn't have to think about any of those things in which you could just sort of climb the corporate ladder, so to speak. You were taken care of, good benefits and all of these things. And so that did have a certain amount of appeal to it until I actually got out there in the real world and saw what was involved in doing this. And so I thought, well, at least if I learn marketing, at least those strategies are more or less evergreen. I know today sometimes people, they kind of confuse marketing and sales with technology, where the technology basically delivers things like marketing messages. The technology automates certain things that we don't have to spend as much time doing them. But still, the, the overall marketing and sales strategy involves things like human nature, and that will never change. And so I thought, well, at least if I learn this as opposed to technology, which always changes, and I have to go back and relearn and relearn and relearn. Not that there's anything wrong with that, especially if you enjoy it. If you enjoy technology, going back to the classroom every now and then to learn the newest, latest thing can be invigorating. It's just good to know that if you talk to people after they've been doing this for many years, talk to people who are in maybe their 60s or, or up, sometimes the requirement to go back into the classroom again becomes a bit tiring. So I guess it depends on the individual, but that's true with anything. But I like the idea of sales and marketing as two skill sets that I could take with me going forward. And that's why I'm sharing these things with you today. Now, I could just say I could break down marketing and sales. I wasn't going to say this, but it just entered my mind. So I'm going to just follow through on this thought. I think that overall marketing and sales have more to do with the confidence of the person presenting the information than it does necessarily the information itself. For example, you, you're familiar with many of you, especially if you have been around in the U.S. for a while, Bernie Madoff pulled together the most outrageous, largest Ponzi scheme of all time involving billions and billions of dollars by simply projecting the kind of confidence that people were looking for when it came to investing their money. And the whole thing was fake. Now, of course, you could argue that, well, the only reason why he had that kind of confidence was that he was a psychopath. You can also argue that all con men and women are basically psychopaths when you get right down to it because they don't really care who they hurt or what type of damage they do in the lives of the people who are on the other side of the con, right? But con, that does stand for confidence, the confidence game. And no matter who you are, no matter what your age is, people are attracted to people who are confident. People believe, for the most part, people who appear confident 
about whatever it is they're talking about. And that's why we trust certain people, attorneys, doctors, uh, people who are considered experts, because we don't have that kind of information. And when they're telling us what we want to hear and they're doing so confidently, and they're not hesitating, and they're just flowing from one thought to the next, we're attracted to that. And so if you take marketing and sales, and I can take all of the many, many hours that I've studied in the books and push all of those aside and just sum it up with this very simply and saying that if you can talk confidently about a product or service and you can answer questions confidently, then I would say that you could just, that confidence can replace 10,000 books and 10,000 hours of study time, if you will, because that's what it is that sells. It's not the study of confidence. It's the practice of confidence. It's true in human relationships. What most women are not attracted to weak men, and most men aren't attracted to weak women. But I'm not going to dig too deep into that. We're talking about business, right? We'll just stay. We'll stay with business. So, uh, and you know, one of the things I didn't realize also at the time. I'm going back to when I was in my 20s now. And, and these things hold true whether you're in your 20s, 30s, between 20 and 70. I think I really doesn't think it matters that if you're a 20-year-old looking at a 70-year-old, you're thinking that, well, you know, they have so much more experience in all of this. But we're always people. We're still human regardless of whatever age we are. We, we're still tempted to be afraid of things or to be uncertain about things. I think what we learn to do with time is to hide it a little bit better. But anyway, back to what I was saying, what I didn't realize at the time as a young person is that when I was looking at my life and the options I had before me, and I'm telling you this story from that lens, but it doesn't matter whether you're in your 30s or your 40s or your 50s or your 60s. Let me just stop there for now. But I had been conditioned to think a certain way about certain things because I didn't have the actual experience myself. So if you've never been successful yourself, if you've never made a lot of money or made a big sale or anything like that, what we believe about these subjects usually has to do with what we've read or what we've watched on TV or seen in documentaries. But like many people, I had been conditioned by the movies that I'd seen, and that affected the way I thought about things. Now, movies a story that follows a time-tested framework for the most part. It's told on average between one and a half hours to maybe two hours. I know sometimes a little bit longer, but that's the average, one and a half hours to two hours. And in the end, the movies we remember are the ones where the hero overcomes some kind of challenge. They ultimately succeed and the story ends and we have a nice complete package to look at from the outside looking in. So deep down on the inside, my thinking was, if I could only build a successful business, in other words, success was at the end. That was a definable, definite finish line. And after you cross the finish line, everyone celebrates. You can roll the credits. And that's the way I sort of looked at what it was that I was trying to build. The problem that I faced back then that a lot of people also face today is that the price you have to pay from where you are to where you want to be is oftentimes a lot larger than you've originally anticipated. I wasn't willing to pay the price. And the price took the form of stress, took the form of disapproval from higher ups, 
took the form of a lack of experience, not being able to complete projects fast enough and mistake-free, substandard results, all those things I experienced when I was in my field of choice, finally, after college. Now, maybe the word failure would tie all of those loose pieces nicely together. Now, here's where there were two issues at play, and I'd like to share these with you because it doesn't make any difference how old you are or how young you aren't. We're still human. And the one thing that really stands out to me in hindsight was that quitting came way too easy for me. Now, when the going got tough, I quit. Usually, now here's the key, usually without giving it everything I had or without really pushing myself to make the effort. Quitting the first time made quitting the next time even easier. Now, I wasn't conscious of this 100% at that time, like I'm telling you right now. I told myself that the people I was working with or for were miserable to work with, were miserable to be around, were asking for things that just were not reasonable, and that for all intents and purposes, I still to this day believe that was true. The problem was... I didn't have the inner stamina to work around those kinds of people and in those kinds of conditions. And so the time came when I finally realized that I had two options in front of me because this same scenario would repeat in the same basic way, shape, and form over and over and over again. And several years down the line, I started thinking, I'm in this pattern, I'm caught in this loop I can't change the people around me. I can't change the way the world is today. The only thing that I can change is myself and my response to things. Now, back then, if somebody would have came to me and said, oh, you know, Jim, you just need to think positive. You need to have a better mental attitude. You know, I wouldn't probably receive that very well simply because it's always easy when someone who is not in the situation that you're in to give you advice. It's always easy for them to make it seem easier than it is in actuality. And sucking it up when you're in a stress-filled situation is not easy. The problem is, is that stress-filled situations are the norm. They're not the exception to the norm, especially today. Now, maybe I shouldn't have said that because I've only lived in the time that I've lived in. Maybe if I had lived in the 1800s or 1700s, I'd be saying the same things. It's just that the things that we would consider stressful maybe in 1723 would be a whole lot different than when we are now in 2023. But if you look back in history, you could arguably say that there have always been challenges no matter who you were, no matter what you have or you didn't, what you didn't have. Now, obviously, if you were dirt poor, of course, those, those are probably the most difficult of situations. You don't have running water. You don't have access to just the basic necessities of life. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the average person. The average situation has a roof over their head. And now, specifically, I'm talking about all this in a business context. When you decide that you want to step out and you want to build something for yourself, for your family, something that you have more control over than if you would give that control to a big corporation or a company or working for somebody else. So the issue was for me was that I didn't have the inner stamina to work in those kinds of conditions. And when I realized that those kinds of conditions were going to keep coming, not just in my 20s, but in my 30s and my 40s, I had two options. Now, some people, they're in their 30s right now, 
I know a few people like this. I know of a few people that go from job to job, job to job. There's always a problem. Things never work out. It's always somebody else's fault. And if I was talking to that person today, I would tell you I 100% understand where you're coming from because I too was in that position. And you're not going to change any of these people. So here are your choices. If you don't come from a wealthy family that could basically subsidize whatever it is that you need for the rest of your life, if you don't come from that, and that's most of you, and even people that do come from wealthy families, after a while, I would say that parents look at a child, even if it's an adult child, and say, hey, you know what? I can't keep enabling this person to run away from problems, to run away from situations that are maybe a little bit tougher than not. So I looked at it like this. I have two options and you have two options in front of you. You can either toughen up and mentally become a fighter. Or the other option is to continue to move from one thing to the next, only to hit the same basic insurmountable obstacle that's going to keep showing up in your path. And it doesn't take long to develop a lousy attitude when all roads seem to dead end much quicker than you'd hope for. And so for myself, the time came when I found myself in a work situation. Things began to go wrong again. I was in a place I didn't want to be in, having to deal with people and personalities I didn't want to deal with because I was looking at what I had to deal with versus what I was getting paid. Thought it wasn't worth it. But right there and then I made the decision for the first time. I was going to stick with it. I was going to do my best to give it my all. And if that wasn't good enough and I got fired, then I would get fired. Life would go on. And to my surprise, I found that I began to survive in situations where others were giving up and quitting. I began to get tougher from the inside out. And I made myself learn how to fight and not to give up on business-related situations and people, work-related things, because things weren't playing out the way I thought they should. I saw things through to a conclusion that didn't involve me quitting. Now, if you're in the habit of cracking under pressure, realize that this is just like any other habit. It becomes easier with time. It becomes habitual. Going into business for yourself is not going to remove you from situations of pressure. Because a lot of this is happening to you on a mental level. And, you know, the mental level is just as real as the physical level. But you just have to realize that starting a business or choosing a new business model is not going to isolate you 100% from all of these kinds of situations the way you think it might. You need to learn to develop a resistance to things that break, unfortunately, weaker people. Now, just because... You and I may be weak today in certain areas, but we don't have to say that way. So you do have to purpose whenever you're faced with these certain situations that have tripped you up in the past that the next time you're going to grind it out. I mean, what do you have to lose? If you lose a job, you, you can find another. If you lose a client, you can find others. And even if it's like the biggest client that you have, I know that a lot of times people fear, well, what if I lose this contract or this client or we're no longer able to sell this product because a new thing that we can't keep up with comes on the market. Don't you realize that what you're just describing is just the natural, it's just natural to life and it's natural to business. These are situations that every single person in the business world, in the world in general, will face on one level or another. And so rather than 
know, try and find a more peaceful place where people aren't going to bother you. Sometimes you just have to learn to hold your ground and to fight the battle. Now, again, if you lose the job, there's other jobs. If you get fired, you know, there, there'll be other situations that can replace it. Everything will keep moving forward. You just have to make sure that it's not always you hitting the eject button. Sometimes you have to just decide that, okay, if things are going to go sour, if I'm going to be shown the door, it's going to be the other person that's going to do it this time. I'm going to stick it out. Right? Unhappy bosses, unhappy clients, all of those things, all of those things are just part of life. And I know, yeah, sometimes we try and put ourselves in a situation where we minimize our exposure to these things and these kinds of people. However, what I've learned is, is that once you learn that, you can fight through anything. And that as tiring as a certain situations, clients or whatever it can be, you can recover from that. You know that deep inside, but it's not until you experience going through it yourself that it makes that transition from theory to reality. And when you know you've got that in you, it will put you on another level. And that's what happened with me. When you experience you're the one holding while everyone else is folding, when you're the one who's willing to go back to the drawing board when other people are looking for something else to do, or when you're willing to fight to your last breath, when you start practicing that in daily life, something on the inside changes. Looking back on it now, I realize that the fact that I had experienced some negative situations earlier on in my business career experience, that went a long way towards creating a negative mindset in the early days. And that mindset began to impose itself with increased regularity. I realize now, yeah, I was a lot more impressionable in my 20s than I was in my 30s. But, you know, if I asked you about some of the negative situations that you've experienced, maybe earlier on in your life, and I asked you to walk me through some of the details, by the end of that conversation, you probably wouldn't be feeling so great about it unless you ended your thoughts on a positive note. And, and that's what I want to, that's what I want to tell you a little bit about right now, because it's not where you begin, but it's where you end off in a lot of things, and especially so when it comes to the way you think. For example, a lot of times you just have to recognize that whatever it is that you're thinking about isn't happening to you anymore. You're not in that situation anymore. It's in the past. But as you relive it mentally, because something about what's happening now reminds you about a failure that happened way back when or something bad that happened, you do have to remind yourself, hey, you know, that's not happening anymore. Sometimes you have to say that out loud to yourself so you can hear it before it will feel believable. Because a lot of the things that we respond to are threats that aren't really right at our doorstep right now. And in a business situation, if you've had a business go bankrupt, if you've gone bankrupt before, if you found yourself in incredible debt, you remember what the steps were that led up to that experience. And some of the steps you may be feeling or going through or recognizing right now may remind you of those things. But the truth is, again, that is not happening to you anymore. Those situations are in the past. And for those of you who fear a situation repeating itself, uh, what's happening right now, of course, like I said, may remind you of the past. It happens to everybody. The truth is, is that this isn't the past. This is 2023. You're older, you're wiser than you were before, even if what happened to you before was only a handful of years ago. And again, sometimes people have to say that out loud to themselves so they can hear it for themselves before it feels real to them. Because 
thinking in a lot of ways, especially when you have a one-track mind on a certain topic, good, bad, or otherwise, it's like rehearsing that, right? Don't actors rehearse their lines so that they can repeat them without having to read them off of a piece of paper or a teleprompter? And it's the same way when you think about the course of your business or how you're going to make more money or, or how you're going to create success where there may have been failure before. If you keep on rehearsing the negative things, it's almost like you're gearing up for more of the things that you don't want. And you know, I'm not totally into all of this uh, like maybe positive thinking. I like positive thinking simply because it makes you feel better. I don't look at it like some people do, like it's a science, like you're attracting things. Maybe it's true. I don't know. I don't really care, really. I just know that I don't really care how it works. I just know that it works. I know that if you think about good things, you're going to feel a whole lot better as you navigate your way through your day. When you think about positive things and possibilities instead of impossibilities, I know it helps a lot when you're planning out a business plan, a marketing plan, an advertising plan. All right, let's talk about stress management. Here's one of the practical things that I've learned. Now, over the years, I've had plenty of opportunity to work with really intense types of clients, especially when the client is paying maybe thousands of dollars for you to help them get a result. Or I don't want to put a number on it, but let's just say again, this is just a type of person because I know that sometimes clients that aren't paying a lot of money, customers who aren't really great customers, they can bring the same sort of stress and intensity to the table. But when I have clients like this, a lot of times I notice that They don't really seem content unless they see you with the same level of agitation that they're feeling. But here's one of the things I've noticed, and I have one or two clients like this today. Suppose you put in 100% focus and you give the client two or three hours of your time today. When that happens, absolutely, it can be tiring. When you're done with that work, you may just feel like you want to unplug and do nothing for a while. But one of the things I learned is this, is that the intense people, the intense personalities, they will push you to a limit, and that's not necessarily bad. Because I know a lot of times, especially if you've been doing something for a while, you become maybe a little bit too relaxed. You lower that intensity, and you're not always doing your best work. Matter of fact, sometimes you're not even really aware of what you're capable of doing because no one has pushed you maybe in a long time. So if you do get a client like this, yeah, it may feel like a culture shock because it's not what you're used to. It's not what you want. But I just want to encourage you, if you get one or two clients like this from time to time, not to, again, look to bail out of that situation right away, but stick with it. Give that person, give that company, give those that group of individuals the very best that you're capable of giving them in such a way So that when you're done with the work, you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you've given them 100%. Not 80, not 70, but you've given them the very best that you're capable of giving them. And what will happen then is, you know, people talk about things like imposter syndrome. None of those things will come to the forefront because you know that you know that you know. And as you go through that process of maybe pushing yourself a little bit harder, a little bit further than you used to, you're also going to learn new things. You're gonna gain valuable experience right here, right now, that will help you further down the road. Now, this is something that I only recently recognized in my own experience in taking on a handful of stressful type clients. And I understand why people are stressed out. And I understand why 
they have such intensity in dealing with subcontractors and dealing with their employees because they too have skin in the game. Their livelihood is on the line and God knows what types of other situations that they're dealing with that have nothing to do with business. They may have health problems. They may have problems with their children, problems in their marriages. You know, life is what it is. And so, you know, naturally, you'd probably like to keep a healthy distance between you and people like that. But I want to encourage you the next time you're in a situation like that to really dig in, to be the very best that you can be for that individual or, if necessary, for that group of individuals. I find that a lot of times working for boards where there's a whole group of people where you have to win over at least 51% of them, that could be intense also. But here's what I found even more so recently. You set aside time to do that project. You set aside time to work with that client. You set aside time to actually go and sit down face-to-face with these people. And you turn that intensity on consciously. You're all in there. You're not thinking about where you came from. You're not thinking about what time it is or where you have to go afterward. But you are in 100%. Then, when that meeting's over, when you're done working on that project... Then you turn that intensity off consciously, just like you turned it on, and you're all out. You're 100% in when you're in, and you're 100% out when you're out. You can move on to another project, maybe something that you're building on your own. Maybe it's a side hustle. Maybe it's something you're doing for that's more fun. Believe it or not, you can turn that intensity back on again for your own project, and you can get more done when you learn this on again, off again, intense, not intense. Through practice, I'm continuing to learn how to personally flip that switch on and off internally. Intensity on, intensity off. And this is something that really I only recently recognized, but I saw it in such a way that I was able to start consciously applying it in a practical way to my projects. You set aside some time, and then you turn the intensity on consciously, do the work, and then you turn the intensity off consciously after that allotted time. Then you move on to something else, knowing that you were all in while you were doing that work for a client or a project or whatever it was that you were focusing on. Now, I don't do back-to-back sessions like this. You do need some time to kind of tone it down and relax. It's not like intensity on happens instantly and intensity off happens instantly. But I find that with a little bit of practice, I'm able to do it faster and faster in either direction. But after sessions like this, I noticed a heightened sense of accomplishment with the ability to not only get things done, but to disconnect from the project and do other things, as opposed to, let's say, having several projects crowding your thoughts simultaneously, and then it makes you feel like nothing of substance is being accomplished. Intense focus on one thing crowds out the competing thoughts. And if you need to set some kind of timer on so that you know it keeps you from being distracted and how long have I been working or what time is it I have to be at a certain place at a certain time, you may need to experiment with using some kind of timer so that you can, again, keep that laser focus going as you're working on that project. So your mental state is just so important because it affects everything else. If you're in a relaxed state, for example, and you walk into a room with an intense client, an intense decision maker, or an intense group of people, they tend to pull you out of your state and into theirs, especially if you're not prepared. It can happen really fast. It's like being hit from your blind side. The transition of going from one state to another like that is like a jolt to the system. 
you can have the life sucked out of you, the energy for the rest of your day. However, if you turn your own intensity on consciously and then you walk into a situation like that, the way maybe a surgeon would walk into a surgery room prepared for surgery, you will consciously pull all of your inner resources to the surface and be prepared for whatever it is that you're doing. The difference is like this. It's like you deciding that I'm going to put the pedal to the metal and we're going to accelerate to the speed limit and beyond. And you're, you're the one deciding to do that as opposed to getting to that same place by having someone pushing you, riding your bumper from behind. In one situation, you're in control. In the other one, you're not. Are you following me? Now, obviously, if every client makes you feel like you have to go into this intense state, you'd eventually burn out. But a couple people like this may be exactly what it takes every now and then to bring out the very best in you. It's just something to think about. I admit I'm practicing getting better at all of these things as we speak. And I think that definitely if I can do it, so can you. All right. I think that's about all for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you believe it will help a friend, please go ahead and share the episode link with them. Share it on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, wherever you go. Or you can send them to jimgalliano.com forward slash podcast. All the episode links are available there as well. Again, I'd just like to take a minute to thank you for sharing this podcast, whether you share it as a whole or a specific episode link. It really does help me reach people who would otherwise I'd probably never reach. So thank you again for listening. Thank you for sharing. Have a great rest of your week, and I'll talk to you later. <music>